It's time for Real Estate Roundup. This is the time every single week we get together with noted real estate agent Terry Story. Terry is a 29-year veteran with Keller Williams located in Boca Raton, Florida. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve. So what's going on in the housing market? Are we closing more sales? Is things slack? What's happening? Yeah. Well, statewide, the median sales for single-family homes last month was 244000 which is actually up 8% over the previous year. So that's good. That's the price of the houses. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Correct. So our inventory still tight. Is that what's making prices rise? Exactly. It's a combination of two things. We've got tighter inventory and, you know, with the job growth, people are feeling more confident, mm-hmm. wanting to buy houses. We also have interest rates ticking up. Yeah. So with the uptick of interest rates, tighter inventory, we're going to see these numbers continue to climb for a little bit. So the median sales price for a single family home in Florida was $244,000, which was up 8%. What about condos and townhouses? Condos, that was about 180000 and that's up about 7.8% from last year. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember after the real estate crash, the time it took for the average home to sell, the number of months was like 18, 20 months. I mean, it was an unprecedentedly long time, right? Yeah, it was crazy. What is the period of time now for the average house before it sells? Well, we have two things. It's the inventory supply. That's at 3.6%. That is super, super tight. Anything less than six months means it's a seller's market. Yeah. I don't recall ever seeing it this low. So the average home is is on the market for 3.6 months now. That's the amount of supply. That means... The amount of supply, rather. Right. That means it would take... At the rate in which we're selling all the property, mm-hmm. 3.6 months to sell it all. Oh my! Now, goodness. the average days on market mm-hmm. in this area is around 40-something days, which is wow. really quick. So I guess a person can say if their house hasn't sold in two months or three months, then there's something wrong. That's right. Absolutely. And most, most of the time, what is that thing that is wrong? The number one thing that is wrong is either price condition or location. And it tends to always be price because you can always correct condition mm-hmm. and you can always correct price, but you can't pick up the house and move it. Yeah. So if you don't want to improve the condition, then you can adjust the price. Right. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. And Steve, what I, what I see time and time is sellers will say, oh, well, the, my neighbor is asking this much for their house. Mine's nicer. Yeah. I'm going to ask more. Mm-hmm. So they're paying attention to what's for sale and not what has sold. And the dirty little secret is a large percentage, I'd probably say about 75% of all the homes on the market don't sell right away because they're overpriced. Yeah. And it's not until they're priced properly that they're getting their offers and then selling. Let me ask you this. When you look at home sales in your neighborhood and you, you see that, hey, that house went for X and you go, well, my house is better. How much does square footage really matter? I mean, if a house is 2,400 square feet, and your house is 3,000 or 2,600 square feet. Does that really make a difference? Well, it does and it doesn't. From an appraiser's perspective, when they do an appraisal to figure out value, they're going to take a house. Let's say we're selling your house and you're at 2,400 square feet. They're going to consider homes 20% less than yours and 20% more than yours and use those homes in that market, in that range to appraise it. And then they'll adjust accordingly. So 200 square feet 
that's a whole bedroom. Yeah. So it'd be like a three bedroom versus a four bedroom. Okay. So that would make a difference, the number of bedrooms. Right. Okay. All right. So square footage does really matter. And I'm, I'm really not talking about huge differences. Obviously that right. would matter. I'm talking about small differences. Yeah. But I guess I mean, if you that, say it's a bedroom or more. won't make a difference. But yeah. what happens, what's also very interesting, there's also the law of diminishing return. When you go from like a 2,400 square foot house, and then you're looking at like a 4,000 square foot house, and you're both in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy who's got the 4,000 square foot house looks at the guy that just sold his 2,400 square foot house, and he's selling at $300 a square foot. So he now thinks, oh, well, that sold for $300 a square foot. Yeah, I'm going to take that 300 and multiply it by my 4,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. doesn't work like that. There is a law of diminishing return the larger your home is. Especially, and I'm asking, I'm not stating this, but it seems that if you have quite a large home in a modest community, that's also going to be a cap? There is some cap to it, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's change gears here. I want to talk about the impacts of the tax law. So, you know, we just had the sweeping tax reform that was signed into law on December 22nd. And the massive document is so dense that even seasoned real estate professionals are saying (laughs) they don't really know what it means. So some of the bill's real estate provisions are clearly delineated, it is said, and other portions are riddled with errors, with handwritten notes in the margins and stuff like that. A lot of people don't know what is going on. Let's talk about the things that are perfectly clear. Let's talk about mortgage interest rate deduction. Sure. The homeowners with a loan up to a million can write off the interest on their mortgages. Now, the amount has been lowered to 750 So that's a big change to affect those. Now, this is for new mortgages. If you already have a mortgage, you're grandfathered in. Okay. So that's one of the big changes. The deduction also applies to second homes. Another you know, big, big change is the deductions for income, sales, and property taxes. It was previously unlimited. Now it's capped at 10000 So what is that going to do to us? Two things. Some feel that the homes priced in the 750 to a million are going to be affected, experience a slowdown because of the first change. But the other thing you can think of, because of the second change with this cap of 10,000, that's going to affect people like in New York City, Mm -hmm. big cities. And we're actually anticipating an influx of people coming to South Florida because we don't have uh, state income taxes. Yeah, there was a, a quote from the developers of the Brickle Flatiron Luxury Condo in Miami, which is 64 stories. And they said that since the enactment of the tax law, inbound website traffic has tripled, and actually some penthouses in the building ranging in price from $1.5 million to $3 million were bought by New Yorkers in the first two weeks of January alone. So you know, tax implications do have their effects. But also don't forget that the top tax bracket has been lowered a little bit, a couple of percentage points, which kind of would offset just a little bit of that lack of deductibility in state tax and income sales and property taxes. I'm speaking with Terry Story. As always, Terry Story is a 29-year veteran with Coldwell Banker located in Boca Raton, Florida, and she can be found at terrystory.com. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve.